Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Accessible Justice. This podcast is a production of UB Law Responds from the University of Buffalo School of Law's Experiential Education Program. I'm Kim Diana Connolly, and I have the great honor of serving a number of roles here at the law school, including the director of our clinical program, the vice dean that helps coordinate all of our experiential programs school-wide, and the administrator who works with the team supporting our summer public interest fellowships for law students. We're excited to have you tune in today for this episode and hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Accessible Justice, Season 2, from UB Law Response. I am Kim Diana Connolly. I serve as the Vice Dean for Advocacy and Experiential Learning and Director of Clinics at the University of Buffalo School of Law, and I am joined by... Matthew Pelkey. Hello. It's great to be back. I am the program director for the Entrepreneurship Law Center, um, where we run the Entrepreneurship Law Clinic, and it is great to be back. Um, it's wild to think that we did a full semester of podcasts already, and, uh, and here we are reflecting on that. Wonderful, isn't it? So, so for those of you who have been following along, we did have our first season that started that started last year in February at the beginning of our semester. And we, we talked about all sorts of things in our podcast, featuring our student attorneys and others who historically or currently are connected with our experiential learning programs at the School of Law. So we heard from our domestic violence clinic, talking about domestic violence during the pandemic. We heard from students in the COVID clinic about estate planning during the pandemic, making sure you're prepared for that. We had a series of episodes on domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And that series actually won an award from the university for the Students of Excellence Award. So that was really wonderful to be a part of. I got to have a conversation with our dean, Dean Aviva Abramovsky, who is incredibly committed to access to justice and has been since before she joined us for our deanship. And hearing her continued commitment was wonderful there. We actually then went right from her to a former dean who was in my position before, director of the clinical program, um, Ms. Olson. And then we heard from Professor Pelkey's students about, um, yeah, guide to entity selection. Then we closed up with some of the historic clients from the clinic that I direct talking about um, environmental law in the region and doing an international designation. So that was our first season. And these are all available online for people if they want to listen, right. To them, right? Yeah, you can find them at your usual place that you find things. They're on Spotify, they're on Apple. If you want to link to them directly, you can search Accessible Justice on UB Law Clinic's website and um, and you can get some links right there. Yeah, the students really did a tremendous job. Um, you know, I you don't know how these things are going to go when you start it, right? And so right. to see how committed and excited they were, you know, putting together regular podcasts. I think we did 11 episodes, which, yeah. you know, is is a really nice regular stream of content that the students are putting out. I'm incredibly proud of the work they did. Well, it's in, in large part because you were encouraging us, your students wanted <laughs> to do this. Um, just for listeners here, this is something that students had an idea we should be doing, is adding this additional way of sharing ideas with the world. And this was the student idea. And then Professor Pelkey was the one who really pushed us to make this happen. And you all listen to me. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to take this moment as we're opening this season 
to talk about Elisa Lackey, who is um, the managing director of our clinical program, but also is the person behind making sure these podcasts come up. We have immense gratitude to the work that she does to, to bring these recordings to reality for us. We could certainly not do this without her. Um, we could not do this. Or many other you. things in the clinic. Without her. <laughs> 100%. So opening this season, I'd, I'd love to chat with you a little bit about reflecting on our second, the full semester of COVID clinical teaching. I have been teaching clinics since the last century. I started teaching <laughs> clinics in 1999. So I, um, I've been around for a while and certainly COVID offered me brand new opportunities. I think you haven't been teaching quite as long, but certainly have been practicing. So let's talk a bit for our, for our listeners about what we learned about clinical teaching um, in the era of COVID. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been interesting to reflect on it. I I started five semesters ago exactly with clinical education. Prior to that, I was teaching a, a lecture. And so I have two and a half semesters, sort of in-person, traditional clinical mm-hmm. style. And I now have two and a half semesters working under the sort of COVID remote context. And I, I have to be completely candid. Um, I think for myself... And based on the feedback I got from students, you know, this was probably the most enjoyable semester uh, and positive feedback that I've gotten. Not that the others have been positive, but you know, in terms of the the you know consistency and and the feedback um, that I've ever received. And I think that first it's it's such a contrast because that first half of semester teaching remote, where we were all sort of thrown out of the plane and built the parachute on the way down, was probably my least enjoyable semester teaching. That was incredibly stressful. Um, you know, I think the students felt lost. I felt lost. We all felt lost. Um, but then you, you found ways to improve and you found ways to make it work and how to better the program. And, you know, I've got to say this past semester really felt like the clinical programs really took it to a whole new level entirely, right? We had been experimenting with things and trying new ways to do things. And I feel like this past semester, we just were hitting on all cylinders and the students felt that the engagement was there, the subject that we covered, the tie-in, because simultaneous to that, you had the world, the, the, the practice of law and the legal world changing just as quickly. And a lot of these same changes were happening. A lot of them touch on the same issues. And so it, it really felt that we were preparing the students, you know, for those changes that were happening in the world simultaneously. And, and I've got to say, much to my own surprise, because I'm not sure I expected this, you know, I loved this past semester. And I think the students generally did as well. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, now that I've had some time to reflect on it, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear you say that. And I think that I think that it was it gave a lot of flexibility, it gave a lot of flexibility to students um, to be able to participate in some asynchronous work and to be able to fully engage in certain activities when we were together. I think that I saw a lot of things bloom and gave me lots of ideas for how to create an even better clinical teaching space. And one of the things that I'm most excited that we did and we couldn't have done without your help was that we took some of the work that we've been doing for years trying to have joint clinic classes which are good it's it's really good to connect people across clinics connect people from the covid lawn um, community engagement clinic with the entrepreneurship with the environmental with the family violence so it's really great to connect them and we did we've been doing that for years but i think the way that we approached 
it this year has really made a difference. The, the first semester, I do want to say the fall semester, some of the students expressed that it felt really clunky, but we learned and we made it better in the spring. And let's just talk a little bit about how we organized our joint teaching. Um, so I'll start and then you can kind of add in and talk particularly about the track that you really were the, were the leader on. What we decided when we were thinking about these joint classes, what we always do is let's talk about things that every lawyer needs and that we need to, be, we all need to be teaching. Let's teach them together. And so we created a space in, a, in the Blackboard, um, using the Blackboard software, which is an online learning software and brought all the students from every clinic together into one big, huge class. And then we created modules for them um, that had tracks. And so every two weeks, um, for a total of five of them, because there were some other things that happened in the middle. So there were five blocks where they explored for two weeks together three different tracks. And three tracks were the um, the tech track, which I'm going to have you talk about in a, in a little bit, <laughs> the mindfulness and self-care track, which I'm actually also going to have you move into talking about because I loved hearing some of the reflections from your students. And the one that was new that, we, that, that we've been teaching a lot, but that we really put a lot of focus on, which was, which I think is a vital part of what we teach in clinic, which is anti-racism and cultural humility. So the students would get these, this block that had assignments from each of these three tracks. And then they were assigned into colleague learning communities, small communities across clinics, where they got to discuss the materials in an asynchronous space. So they'd be assigned some materials. There were extra materials that were optional, but they were assigned some materials and they had prompt questions and they would discuss them and really explore these vital learning areas. And to talk about kind of how you started to curate and work with the tech track um, that, that we have running through that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that we all realized early on in switching to sort of teaching remotely in COVID was the engagement piece was really hard between the students, right? Mm -hmm. You could lecture, you could get the same content out there, but that interaction with their fellow classmates was the, you know, the stuff that happens in hallways and at the library and, you know, getting, you know, pizza at the cafe, um, you know, those, those elements were missing. Um, and so the idea for utilizing these tracks and these sort of discussion modules was a way to not only address substantive issues, but really an environment to just even have that sort of basic interaction with your classmates that weren't in your section, that weren't in your same clinic, that maybe you've never talked to, or maybe they were in your first year, you know, lawyer research and writing class, right? <laughs> um, and so that was at, at its core, you know, how do we start finding new ways to develop those interactions between the students? And this idea of modules in this space and, you know, we use ultra and I've used Slack and there's other things you can use discord um, really became a great space for that to happen. It almost became a community space for the clinics. Right. And so when we sat down and thought about, okay, you know, let's try and use this in a way that helps them prepare for practice that helps them, you know, with some really tangible skills, um, you know, going forward as lawyers. And, and so, you know, I think one of the things just because it was happening simultaneously was, okay, technology, right? right? We are all getting a front row seat to how important technology can be to the practice of law. And, you know, let's talk about, you know, what those expectations are, you know, how do you, how do you properly use 
you know, track changes in words so that when you're putting a draft back to a partner or to opposing counsel, you know, you can see what changes were made in a contract, right? Some of these things as practitioners who've been out, you know, more than a few years, we'll say, um, you know, won't put a hard number on that, um, you know, that we take for granted, right? That, you know, oh, of course, you know how to use track changes in Word. Well, no, I mean, if you've never had the reason to ever use it, you may not know. How do you use Excel? How do you do formulas? How do you manage Outlook? How do you work through technology that that we tend to take for granted out in practice and sort of throw people into figuring out? And so there were some great modules on Office and Word. You know, we talked through, you know, the potential impact of artificial intelligence within, you know, the practice of law and what that looks like. Um, but then I, you know, sort of coupled with that, which again, COVID really made us take a, a hard look at was, okay, we now can connect anywhere. We now can, you know, work from anywhere. Well, <laughs> you know, with that comes some some serious potential issues on your own well-being and your own mental health uh, in a profession that already struggles, frankly, with mental health and, and substance abuse issues. And so the the idea of getting more comfortable talking about wellness and talking about self-care, um, you know, my whole family is in mental health, you know, really aside from me. And so it was an issue I grew up with talking about, you know, regularly, but in the practice of law, obviously there, there can be a, a resistance and certainly with an entrepreneurship as well, um, where, you know, you kind of fake it till you make it and you don't talk about these things. Um, and I think we have an opportunity to change that in the legal profession and starting as early as possible and building those systems into how a student, you know, their habits and, and how they operate and their own thinking when it comes to the practice you know, for me, that was the easiest point to change this, um, you know, and I'm an advocate for it with my own partners and, and out in the world and with other practitioners, but you can see that change really quickly within the students. And I think, you know, for me, that was incredibly rewarding, you know, where you start out with modules sort of talking about, you know, okay, you know, yes, technology is great, but here's the adverse sort of wellness side effects of that. And what are some good practices for your own mental health and well-being? Um, you know, where are some resources if you have mental health issues, not being afraid to talk about those things, normalizing it, building wellness time into your everyday schedule, right? That concept of if you're not in being intentional with your time, you're not going to do it. And, you know, it was great. I've had students who are returning students now. And last semester, we had somebody who was in his second or third semester talking to a first semester student, you know, really talking as if this concept of wellness and mental health and, and awareness, you know, was just something that should be baked into your practice. And it was just great to see that impact and how we've, we've been able to, to normalize it and, and to make it a conversation that people are now comfortable having. And, you know, for me, that's been incredibly, incredibly rewarding to see that actually play out. Because right, we have theories about how these things can work, and right. we hope it works out that way. Um, but to see that impact on students has been great. Well, and 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 you helping put those together, and then us sharing them with students has, has really been wonderful to watch. And students, again, students really responded well. And read the the evaluations, and they really responded well. And they also responded well to the third track. The third track is so important at this point in time for us to really be focusing on in legal practice, which is um, anti-racism and cultural humility. And we recognize in our program that people are, are 
on different paths on the journey for really understanding the role of being anti-racist and really understanding how to embrace cultural humility. And so putting together this track, we, we drew on our experts within the law firm who work on diversity, equity, and inclusion to help us to curate some materials that would be accessible, not overwhelming, and would provide ways that people could discuss meaningfully, um, even if they were, if, if even if they were people who these were fairly new concepts to, all the way to people who've been working with them for a while. We offered things that that would allow this to be a central focus of what we did, and then to allow the individual professors within their um, their teaching of their clinics to draw upon that. So together, having these three vitally important tracks um, be offered to students um, across the board created, again, what you said, connection, community. It is so hard. It was so hard during COVID for people to feel connected and feel like they belonged when they hadn't met people. There are people who yeah. literally, um, this summer was the first time I met somebody who's going who's planning to be in this third semester of my clinic. I hadn't met him in person. I'd just seen him in this space, but we still felt connected and he felt connected with his colleagues because of what we were able to build. So one of the things that, that I'm looking forward to is as we get into summer and start being able to take our deep breaths and having done all the grading and everything, being able to work with our colleagues in clinics to kind of summarize these lessons and figure out how to go forward as we are getting back to back to being not in the space that COVID put us in of having to be separate. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't see, and this comes from both being a practitioner and, and a clinical faculty, you know, there's going to be obviously permanent changes here. And, and I don't think the landscape ever goes back to what it was before COVID. And some of those things, I think, it, nor needed changes in the profession, right? right? right. Um, us being open about talking about mindfulness and self-care, you know, talking about racial humility. I am thrilled that those conversations are are happening now, right? And so, you know, the forum and technology and changes allowed us to push that forward. And I think, you know, I don't see how we ever stop doing that now, right? I don't think you can unring that bell. Um, right. And so how do we integrate all this back into, I guess, a world where, you know, we now are operating in person to some degree, we are interacting physically, or is it some combination of the two? You know, there are a lot of questions there. We've learned a lot of lessons. I think some things have been really great and I look forward to them sticking around, but uh, it's going to be, yeah, I think we, we're going to spend some time reflecting on that. Right. And figuring out how best to help these, these student attorneys get some ideas as to how to be fabulous attorneys in a world that's going to include things that we started in COVID and that we're going to continue. And um, and so it's going to be a really fun fall and I'm looking forward to it. But meanwhile, thank you so much for making the time to chat so we could launch this season of Accessible Justice. And I hope that you listeners will come back. You're going to be hearing from some of our summer student attorneys you're going to be hearing from at least one alum of the clinical teaching program, and you're going to be hearing from our summer public interest fellows. A few of them are going to do recordings for us, and they are in fellowships due to incredibly generous donors who give them summer stipends so that they can do public interest work. And Dina Viva Abramovsky has done a lot of fundraising to make that happen, so we're very grateful to her on that to hear the work that's happening in UB Law Responds. 
And so again, thank you, Matthew, for making the time. And I look forward to talking with you. Of course, I look forward to it. Thank you. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Accessible Justice Podcast from UB Law Responds. This podcast is made possible by excellent production assistance from Lisa Lackey, our technology guru and other expert for our experiential program. If you'd like to learn more about the vital work that the UB Law Responds clinic students are doing, providing pro bono access to justice for those that otherwise would not have legal or policy representation, head on over to www.ublawresponds.com. There you'll be able to find other episodes of this podcast, as well as a giving link to support our clinic students' work. Be sure to check out other things there, such as great blogs from our clinic students' attorneys and other UB Law students who are working toward justice for all. On behalf of UB's clinical and experiential education programs, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, and be your best you.